still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in beautiful downtown Warren, Ohio. I'm very excited to have a special guest on today. The podcast is going to be branching out a little bit more. We're going to be focusing more, or maybe not more, but we'll be adding more business development, personal development, and as well as capturing stories of Warren, Ohio from its residents and businesses. With me, we have on special guest. His name is Mr. Scott Aaron. He has a nice long bio. So uh, what I'm going to do, instead of me reading it, I'm going to let him introduce himself and then we'll go from there. Scott. Oh, James, thanks for having me. And uh, for the listeners that are not familiar with me, my name is Scott Aaron, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, now in Marlton, New Jersey. Uh, I'm a best-selling author, top podcaster, business coach, LinkedIn expert, and someone who truly believes that you know everybody has the power to, to take their business to the next level if they have the right tools and pieces in place. And uh, again, just honored and uh, really grateful to be here today. Well, I'm very thankful that you decided to join my little startup podcast. It is hyper-focused, as you can tell, on Warren, Ohio, but we're going to be branching that out to the greater Youngstown, Warren area as well. My focus is to capture history, like I said, of Warren, Ohio, as it has a huge history. It's, it's, its history is underrated even to its residents, except for the old timers like me. But uh, I want to get that out there. and But in the process, help businesses grow because we need it. We need de- development here in Warren, Ohio. And I truly and firmly believe what your content has will help solopreneurs like myself, uh, small businesses grow. And that's what's needed. And that's why I asked you to come on to this podcast because I've sat through some of your training and it's fabulous. Thank you. For me, it's like you break things down to its most simple element helps me tremendously. This is what you do here. This is what you do here. And then once you have that instruction, then you add your own personality and flavor to it. So that's why. Go ahead. Yeah. Clarity is everything. I think you kind of just alluded to that. And I think uh, whether someone's a brick and mortar business owner, whether someone is a solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever it is. If, if you're not clear with what you're looking or wanting to achieve, you can't expect any of those things to happen. And, you know, you were a part of one of my intensives and, you know, with my wife and, and you saw each, each day, we just added a new layer of, of clarity, of focus, and having that specific vision to create a specific outcome, which people were doing even during the five days. It was fabulous. And when you have another... To those listening, you got to get in on it. I'm telling you straight up, you got to get on it. So let's get into Scott Aaron. Uh, like the, the listeners, I like for the person on the show to talk about themselves. You know, where'd you grow up? Talk about your neighborhood a little bit. Maybe the schools you went to, you go to a university, you know, go through the first, let's say, kid to 22 years old. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in, in the suburbs of Philadelphia in an area called Conshohocken. Uh, also, uh, I grew up in a very, very historic area. Uh, White Marsh Township is uh, was one of the main areas and main routes um, that George Washington took, actually, with his troops 
It's about 12 miles south of Valley Forge, which everybody is familiar with the Battle of Valley Forge. So I grew up right out of uh, right outside of that area. Um, some of the uh, buildings in the White Marsh Township area where I grew up in are from uh, the 15 and 1600s, uh, still standing to this day. And I, I had a, a great childhood, grew up in a, in your, your typical Jewish family. So I had a very overbearing mother, she still is to this day. Um, I have to, to check in with her, you know, almost routinely. And and now she has my my son on that kind of schedule. She calls when we're on the way to school. I mean, but again, uh such a blessing. I'd rather have that than nothing right. at all. Uh, and my father, you know, more, more like a best friend, you know, he was my, my basketball coach, my baseball coach. And just last night, my, my son had um, his uh, second to last practice before their first game. He's in, uh, he's an eight year old. So he's starting little league and uh, he was designated catcher. And the funny thing is he's now a third generation catcher. My father was a catcher when he was uh, in little league. And then that's how I started and then graduated to the outfield and, and now my son. So it was, uh, it's, it's really nice to, you know, be a part of family. We were always tight knit. Um, you know, my parents are no longer together, but uh, they both found love outside of their marriage. Uh, they got divorced when uh, I was in my 30s. So it was a little bit later, but again, things happen. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I did graduate from college. I, I ended up going to, to three colleges uh, with still one degree. So I just want to clarify, there was a little bit of bopping, <laughs> bopping around. There was no anything past the bachelor's. So I, I started off at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, which I, I loved. It was a great time, uh, definitely served its purpose uh, in my teenage years. And my father was always an entrepreneur. He always owned businesses. They were industrial businesses, you know, so he was always working for himself. So I grew up with it. It's in my DNA to kind of see someone own their own business. Now, when I was a senior in high school, so the year prior to me leaving for the University of Pittsburgh, my father ended up uh, getting bought out uh, and left the company that he had started with his business partner to pursue uh, a career in uh, managing another company. So he wasn't really you know, owning it, he was working for the company and they were a physical rehabilitation company. Uh, outside looking in, things seemed to be going really well. And in between my freshman and sophomore year, that summer, my, my father had to have a conversation with myself, my mom and my sister, that uh, he was actually going to be leaving that company. And he, with the help of my two grandfathers, at the time, we're going to help him purchase a health club in downtown Philadelphia. So, backstory. What uh, year was that? This was 1997 into 1998. I'm just, I asked a year because of the health club, you know, yeah. those, those can be pretty risky endeavor. Uh, Oh, and, and, you know, this is pre-internet. So right. um, it, it was uh, it was actually a really good time. This was pre-Planet Fitness. This was pre-LA Fitness. This was, you know, the heyday of the mom and pop uh, gyms. So, you know, he let us know that he was going to be taking over this failing health club. And my, my dad still to this day is into health and wellness. He's a, a, a world-ranked 
natural raw bench press champion. So wow. he he competes all over the world. He just qualified for Worlds again this year. He'll be 69 in December. So he, uh, he and he wrote a book called Strength Training for Life. So it is his passion. So when he bought this gym, he also let us know that there was a reason why he was leaving this company because the company was actually under investigation for insurance fraud for about a $9.5 million lawsuit. And my father got caught up in it. Long story short, um, he ended up pleading guilty and he ended up serving two and a half years in federal prison for insurance fraud. Now, what I didn't know was the gym was actually for me to run while he was going to be away. So at that time, I was uh, going into my sophomore year of college, you know, 19 years old. And my dad said, you know, it's your responsibility and your job now to keep the family going and you're going to run this gym. And I, I never ran a business. You know, I've only, I only had a couple of jobs at that point, just odds and ends here, just making money for college. And now I was responsible uh, for running a company, running a business, managing people. I had a general manager. I had floor managers. I had trainers and instructors, a chiropractor on staff. But it was probably the, the best way to learn kind of getting thrown to the wolves because, you know, we're a tight-knit family. I didn't want to not take on the challenge. I wanted to take it head on. And I didn't even really see it a challenge. I just basically saw it as like, all right, well, this is what I have to do. And I fell in love with health and wellness. I was always an athlete, but not really a gym buff. And that kind of came later. And in the time that my father was away, I grew the gym from about 300 members to close to 1,200 by the time he came back home, um, 5X the value of the health club. And we ended up opening up a second location in, in 2003. And then in 2004, we were actually offered the opportunity to sell both gyms, uh, which we did uh, for a million dollars. So at the age of 26, I actually uh, became a millionaire and that kind of you know, led me on this other up and down crazy path from opening up a third gym and uh, losing losing a house, filing for personal bankruptcy, um, going through a couple of divorces. So there was a, a lot that happened in between the ages of 26 and uh, just about five years ago, so 36. So that 10-year span um, brought a lot. And uh, I, I don't regret any of it. Um, it was uh, an amazing journey, but in that process, found my passion and found my love uh, for social media, namely LinkedIn and how to grow a business online. And, and that's the thing, I, I've never had a boss. I always call myself psychologically unemployable, <laughs> but um, I've run multiple now uh, million dollar companies. Uh, you know, we, we've, it's, it's something that I've learned how to do. Uh, obviously, a little bit quicker this time being online, but it's also something that can be duplicatable and it's something that can be taught. And that's what I seek uh, to teach with my wife, how to help businesses and, and brands and small business owners really leverage the power of social media, namely LinkedIn, but also understanding their brand awareness, their marketing, their niche, their avatar, and how they can take everything to the next level. Social media is... Uh intimidating when you have, what do you, where do you start? I mean, you don't, I think most people will get on and get their Facebook page or an Instagram account and start doing it. And that's what you should do. You should do something, but it can be overwhelming. You have, how do you know what to track? How do you know what to look at? Cause 
my understanding is just because there's no likes doesn't mean you're not reaching people. And, you know, what demographics or what numbers do you look at to determine if you're being successful in your social media? You know, it's the vanity metrics I, I try not to pay attention to. I talk about this often and people kind of get sucked into this this whole engagement game where if no one's looking at my content, if no one's liking my content, if no one's engaging with my content, then I suck. I'm not good at this. Why am I even doing it? Well, you got to start somewhere. Everyone has a first post. Everybody has a first video. Everybody has a first art. Everyone thinks that, you know, they, 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 they look at all these people, right? And they're comparing themselves to someone's chapter 12 when they haven't written chapter one yet. Right. So everyone's kind of on this same journey and path of self-discovery and self-awareness and self-learning. No one taught me social media. It's the, it's the fail forward method. So you just dug in and figured things out as you went along. That's, I mean, that's most people that have that entrepreneurial spirit inside of them know how to find a way. And I'm, I'm very um, resilient in that way. And I think this comes back to all the things that I had to deal with when my father went to prison that, you know, I really had to focus on being resilient. I had to focus on moving forward and keeping going forward because the only way that you can fail is if you quit. And I wasn't about to quit. So, but also everyone thinks success is so easy to come by. In theory, every single person has inside of them a way to become successful in what they want to do. But most people aren't willing to fail enough to learn how to succeed second. So that's what people need to understand. Failure comes first. Success comes second. It's not the other way around. That's not what society teaches you, though. Society teaches you that, oh, yeah, you just do open this business, get a couple loans, you'll be successful. No. It's, you know, you have to take those bumps and those bruises. I always tell people that your failures will always open the doors to your successes. So the more willing that you'll, you will be to fail, the more willing you're going to be to, you know, have the ability to succeed. And I don't care who you are, how old you are, how experienced or inexperienced you may be. Everybody has to start somewhere. Everyone takes that first step. And it's the same analogy, you know, for the parents that are listening, you know, how many times and opportunities did did you give your kids to learn how to walk after standing up and falling so many times where you're like, you know what, just stop, just quit, just give up. You're not going to do this. And it's unlimited. You, you help them back up and you, you continue to assist them until they're off and running. And the same thing goes for business owners. You're going to fall and stumble. You're going to take your bumps and bruises along the way, but you can't let that stop you. And you just have to know that that's part of the journey. You don't know what you don't know until you realize you didn't know it. You know, exactly. You got it. You have to go through things to learn what to do and what not to do. It's not going to be a magical pill that you, you swallow and say, well, I'm not going to do that. You don't know until you do it and you figure it out it didn't work. It's, it's, it's a hard thing for someone who's not in that world to understand that you're, you're going to have to just go and do it. I think another good analogy is when um, through the intensive, you gave us some assignments and you said, well, don't stop at you got so many connections or so many agreements to uh, meet. 
you said stop after you get X number of rejections because you could get two right out of the gate and then you think you're done, but you got the rest of the day that you'd plan to do it. Keep going. And that really, that hit home with me. Yeah, it's the the no goal method. So That's there's, a great, there's a great book called Go For No um, by Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. Andrea has actually become a good friend of mine. And I mean, they've sold 700, 800,000 copies at this point. I mean, it's wildly successful. So every business owner should, should read this book. And, you know, what it, it says on the front cover, you know, yes is the destination, but no is how you're going to get there. And there's so many great stories in this book. And there, there's two that I can share. The one is what you're speaking about is that most people have these yes goals, right? You know, they, they have a certain amount of, of clients they want to, um, you know, bring on in a month or, you know, sign a certain amount of customers, whatever it is. And, you know, if your goal is two a month and say you had a couple calls in, in, in that week and the first two calls that you have, you get yeses. Okay. You hit your goal. But if, if you have just yes goals, you're going to, you're going to take your foot off the gas and you're actually going to shortchange yourself with the ability to create more income from that. I like setting no goals meaning not like no goals at all, just having to hear the word no as many times as I need to, to get to the desired yes. So for me, I like getting between 10 to 15 no's a week. So I'll make sure that I do enough calls to get those no's. And if there's a yes, that's great, but it's still not a no. I have to keep doing more calls till that no shows up. So the natural thing starts to happen. The more no's that you get, the more yeses will start to show up. And the other thing is, in the book, they share a great story about how this gentleman um, was at a sales conference award ceremony. And he was sitting next to this guy um, who was like a rock star. So the uh, the speaker, you know, they were going through all the different awards and, and it basically um, got to the award where... Uh, it was like the no award. Basically, they were giving an award to the person who got the most rejections in that year. And they announced the name and it was the guy sitting next to him, the rock star. So he goes up and he gets the award for most no's, places going crazy. He sits back down and he turns to the guy and he goes, did you really just get an award for being told no the most times this calendar year? And he goes, yeah. And the very next award was the person who generated the most sales that year. And guess whose name was announced? That same guy. Same guy. They call him up because he sat back down. And he goes, listen, he goes, the person that gets the most no's is also going to get the most yeses. So yes, I did get the most no's, but I also generated the most sales this year in the company. So it just goes to show you that thinking that everyone is going to say yes that's the wrong mentality to have. You have to go through the reps and you have to go through all of those, those trials and tribulations of having those conversations that may not go the way that you want, but in the end, getting a no is a victory because you've got an answer. Because once you get that answer, you can then move on to the next person and the next person and the next person. I don't care how skilled you are. I don't care how great of a business you have. The sky does not just open up and drop people and customers into your lap. You have to work for that. You have to create those conversations because at the end of the day, no one will ever buy anything from anyone that they don't know, they don't like, and they don't trust. You have to earn all of those. And that can be difficult, earning all of those, those three components. Someone you know 
they have to know, like, and trust you. It's like um, I, I was, I speak at my church and one of the, um, in one of my messages, I was trying to figure out, cause we were talking about spiritual growth and building that type of thing. And I was trying to figure out or find out if Arnold Schwarzenegger ever listed about how many reps it he has done in his lifetime to build his chest or whatever the case may be. I'm sure it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how he went from 15 to, you know, Mr. Universe. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't start off there. The same thing applies to, to, to business. We don't, you're not going to start off at the rock star level. You have to, like you said, you have to go through all those no's. You have to start with a brick, you know, building a house. You start with the first brick, whatever the case may be. I don't build homes. So <laughs> there's a builder <laughs> listening. I butchered, but the analogy still applies. So absolutely. Um, what are a couple, if you could give a couple tips, um, you know, if you have a, again, independent contractor, whoever the case may be, uh, and they're getting on social media, we can start with social media in general, and then maybe get into a little bit of a LinkedIn because that the LinkedIn, I think if you're in business, you, you got to be on LinkedIn. hundred percent. I mean, there's a couple recommendations. Uh, number one, you should be on Facebook, but you should have two things within Facebook. Number one, a Facebook business page, something that represents your company because uh, advertising and marketing yourself is key. And you can run some just simple a dollar a day or $2 a day Facebook ads to drive traffic to your, your business page. Uh, but you can also create a Facebook group um, within whatever field that you're in. So um, obviously, you know, James is a, is a part of some of my groups. I have a, a network marketing uh, private group where I give marketing and, and networking tips, but I also have a LinkedIn group where I'm giving, you know, LinkedIn tips each week. So it's, it's a way to establish a community to build the know, like, and trust factor within an arena like Facebook. Um, Instagram, you know, again, you can get on there as a business, which is still important because, again, it's about visibility, brand recognition, uh, building that know, like, and trust. But if you have a business, whether it's brick and mortar, small business, contractor, it's essential for you to, to be on LinkedIn. And I'll share a quick story. So I, I worked with my one buddy, Jeremiah Campbell. Um, he's a contractor, bricklayer, has his own company out in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And we were in a mastermind together. And he said, listen, I have to find a way to leverage LinkedIn to bid on some more jobs and more contracts within the Detroit area. Could you show me how to do that on LinkedIn? And I said, that's easy because as James, you know, you can search by city, by state, by country. You can really nail down the type of network that you want to build on LinkedIn. So I showed him how to connect with people in the Detroit, Michigan area uh, that were other uh, real estate professionals, more on the development side, commercial and residential, that needed some uh, bricklaying restoration. And to make a long story short, that was a little over a year ago, and we connected back in January. And he said in the last year, he's written $1.5 million worth of new contracts just from LinkedIn. Wow. So it, it's it's there. Now, I always talk about the four layers of LinkedIn, and obviously there was a deep intensive where I went all over this, and it, we will be doing another one um, in May. So, James, what I'll do is offline, I'll uh, I'll send you the the waitlist link that you can send to your listeners. So, if they wanted to register, they can. 
But basically, the, there's four key components to understanding LinkedIn. Number one, your profile. Number two, your network. Number three, messaging. And number four, content creation. So it it goes without fail that when you combine these four aspects, just from an infrastructure standpoint on LinkedIn, you're going to see something from it. So making sure that your profile is filled out from top to bottom. And um, if anyone goes to my website, scottaaron.net, I have a, a free download that anyone can get. And it's a resource to teach people how to optimize their LinkedIn profile because there is something called search engine optimization embedded to all of our profiles. When Microsoft bought out LinkedIn nearly six years ago, they embedded search engine optimization just like Google does and Yahoo and Bing. So people are using LinkedIn like Google now. It's a search engine. And if you don't have specific keywords listed on your, your profile, things that you do, client, the types of clients that you serve, the industry that you're a part of, it's not going to work. So you need a proper headshot, background photo, headline, summary section. And just to kind of give you some um, you know, high-level tips, if you're going to write a summary, within LinkedIn, and it's it's about you and your company. Make sure it's 200 to 300 words in length. It's in first person. You're sharing what you do and how you serve others. And you have an email address at the end where people can contact you. But then listening, uh, listing the experience that you have, all the companies that you owned or the current company that you have, and making sure that you have all the right keywords listed. And again, it's all described on this infographic that people can download. But the second layer is building your network. And, and this is something that I also talked about in the intensive with my wife, that when you're building a network on LinkedIn, you can build locally, nationally, or globally. So if you're listening to this, obviously you're gonna wanna build more locally. So when you're doing searching and connecting on LinkedIn, which you just you know go in the search and you type for the ideal client, there's two types of connections that you want. The ideal client, like, so who do you serve? Who are the types of people that you serve within the company and organization that you have? The second is a power partner. So who is the person that you need to reach out to? Just like I taught Jeremiah, his power partner was real estate developers because he could connect with them and say, hey, listen, do you know anyone that has any residential or commercial jobs where they're looking for some um, you know, infrastructure help with the bricklaying? And basically that's the introduction. So the fact is you have to determine what are my power partners that are the liaisons between myself and my ideal client, but who's also my ideal client from a business or industry standpoint. Now, when you search for people on LinkedIn, again, you can search for individuals, but then you can filter by location. So again, no matter where you live, you, you, you mentioned Youngstown, Ohio. So you can type in Youngstown, Columbus, Cincinnati, um, you know, anywhere in Ohio, if you want to start planting those seeds, you can. You just have to type in Cleveland and all the other cities and it will filter that search result for people within your network. So that's the other big thing is really getting clear on the ideal network that you want to build. Now, the third is messaging. So when you do start to build your connections, and I've built mine from about 300 to almost 28,000 at this point, very strategically, very streamlined, very consistently. You do want to message people, not in a spammy or salesy type of way. 
And I think this is the mistake that people get. They get kind of trigger happy. And I call it the spray and pray method where they, if I, if I message enough people and sell enough people and try to pitch them, someone's going to say yes. Well, you're not the only one doing that. So the fact is you're connecting with people that are probably getting 10 to 15 sales pitches every single day. So you want to do, th- do something to stand out different. And this is what I suggest. And it's called the magic formula. And this is a three-step process to connecting with your ideal client or customer or that ideal power partner. I feel like I should be taking notes right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you'll be able to listen back and and, and get get all that. Um, So the other big thing is that determining that connecting point between you and that person. So for example, if, if I was you know, uh, a personal trainer still, but I focused on, I focused on the more corporate wellness side. So developing uh, corporate wellness routines for employees, uh, owners, and all of their, their staff. So my ideal avatar would be, you know, people that own small and, and mid-sized companies that could be looking for some corporate wellness programs. So basically I would do my searching and then my connecting and now my messaging. So when you're messaging someone, uh, there's three steps to a proper message. Step one, you just mention the person's name. And I would say, you know, hey, James, great to be connected to you. So you don't have to make it very formal, dear James, comma, space, indent. Because again, that, that comes off very AI or artificial intelligence or robotic. And a lot of people are getting automated, um, generated messages. And it's not what you want to do. You actually want to take the time and handwrite a very relaxed easy flowing message. So, you know, uh, hey, James, great to be connected to you. The second part is what I call bridging the gap or lowering the drawbridge. So if anyone is familiar with the drawbridge, when it's up, it allows the boats to pass back and forth underneath. When it's down, it allows the traffic to flow back and forth. So it's your job in the second part of this message to lower that drawbridge. So you want to build that connecting point between you and that person to where they're going to read it and say, oh, that that makes sense. This is why Scott's reaching out. So I would bridge that gap. You know, hey, James, great to be connected to you. Um, I noticed that you um, owned a small business. You had, you know, X amount of employees or you own this type of company. I actually do work on the corporate wellness side with companies just like your, yours. Would love to hear more about how things are going. Share uh, a little more about me and what I do and how we can support each other here on LinkedIn. Now, I've done two things. Number one, I've bridged the gap. So when James is reading this message, it's going to resonate with him because I'm not trying to sell him. I'm not trying to pitch him. I'm connect. I'm creating that bridge between myself and him. He owns a company. I work with people like him that own companies like his. But the other thing I did is I used one of the most powerful words in the English language, and that's the word support. So it's been scientifically proven that when someone just reads the word support and they repeat it in their head, it actually triggers their brain to release a chemical that we produce called oxytocin. This is our feel-good brain chemical. It's the butterflies in your stomach, just like serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, cortisol. So the person is feeling good as they're reading this message. And the third and final part is finishing with something called a CTA, a call to action. Questions lead to answers. Statements lead to nowhere. If I just said, James, let me know when's good for you, he's never going to let me know because I haven't asked. 
But if I simply say, do you have any time this week or next week for a call or a Zoom? Now I'm prompting him to respond. So stating the person's name, reason for reaching out, call to action. You have to ASK to GET. You have to ask in order to get. Now, the fourth and final layer is content creation. And this is probably the most challenging thing for people to do, which is creating content. Now, I'll make it very easy for you. This is more of a high-level tip, but it works. So video content is number one across all social media platforms. Now, if you don't, you know, if you're not a a writer, you're not an author, you know, you know, you just don't know where to get started. You're not, you know, this generation's James Patterson, and you're not writing these epic novels right now. The easiest thing to do is to actually just start recording some video content. Because here's what here's what can happen. So you can download Zoom, which is uh, an, an application that most people are using now. It's www.zoom.us. It's free. You don't you don't need to pay to use it. Um, it's a free application. You just put your email address in. But you can record videos up to 45 minutes at one time. Now your video is not going to be 45 minutes. But what my wife and I always suggest is recording three or four two and a half to five minute videos that are educational and informative about what you do and how you serve people or giving people some tangible tips, some education, some information, not selling or pitching. These aren't, these aren't infomercials. You're looking to really educate the network that you're building, but here's the beautiful thing. You're not live. So if you mess up, you can take it over again. And all you're going to do is you're going to save that video to your computer and you're going to upload it to LinkedIn on a Monday. Done. Now, here's where it gets streamlined. There's another application that you can sign up for that's free on the computer. It's called otter.ai. So O-T-T-E-R dot A-I or artificial intelligence. And what this does is it transcribes your content for you. So what you can do is you can actually take your video, drag it into Otter, and it takes a couple minutes, but it will transcribe word for word what you said in your video into a Word document form. So now you have some written content on top of the video that you already posted. So then what you can do is you can download that transcribed video that is now in Word form. You can copy it, and then you can paste it on LinkedIn as an article. And articles are very easy to write because all you have to do is log on to LinkedIn on the desktop, click write an article, and then paste the content that you've already copied. The only thing that you're going to have to edit is it literally transcribes word for word. So if there's ums and there's ahs, you have to go in and you have to erase and indent and reparagraph and make it into a article instead of someone that is just reading what someone just said through a video. You have to make it into kind of written form. Now, the other thing that you can do, if it's enough content that is actually transcribed, you can start chopping it up into smaller bite-sized posts. So when you post on LinkedIn, you're only allowed 1,300 characters of content. So say you were giving three tips for something. What you can do is you can break up that one article that is sharing all three tips into three separate mini posts. So it could be, here's a simple tip for this, and you post it. The next week, here's another tip for this, and then post it. And finally, the third week, here's my third and final tip on this, 
boom, done. So that's, that way you're producing one piece of content that is now getting broken down into two other forms of pillar content. And that's the idea to really educate and inform your audience by just recording one video. Video is the scariest thing for people to do, but after you start doing it a couple of times, it becomes second nature just like anything else. So if you really do want to impact people the right way on social media and you want to use LinkedIn, optimize your profile, build the right network, message people properly, and start producing that pillar content. You've given golden nuggets, sir, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, really, you have. We need to... Uh... It's time to start building here in in Warren, Ohio, and in Youngstown, yes. Ohio. It's time to start building, and LinkedIn is a way to do it. You know, listeners, get on LinkedIn and start connecting with people. He's just giving you a roadmap. If people were looking for you on LinkedIn. How do they find you? So, um, if anybody wants to connect with me, yes. either online or offline, uh, my website scotteron.net. Uh, houses all the different ways that that myself and my wife work with people. Uh, but on LinkedIn, you can just literally uh, just search Scott Aaron, comma, human connection uh, or connection expert. I will pop up. And uh, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. You can literally just type Scott Aaron into Google. I'll come up in some way, shape or form with my books and my podcast and uh, would love to connect with you. I'll put, I'll put that information in my show notes as well. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's James Guy Jr. on LinkedIn. Feel free to take a look at that, my uh, profile as well, and let's get connected. Let's start building up. Let's start building Warren, Ohio. Let's start building business. We're going to do it through business relationships, relationship building, and building that know, like, and trust with each other because it has to be done. No more, and I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit here, Scott. But, uh, no more status quo here in Warren. We can't do it anymore. We can't, you know, you may not know this, but Warren, Ohio, uh, and Youngstown are one, two, number one and two for unemployment in the state of Ohio, which is mind boggling to me. Wow. Even though you drive around Warren, it's not as bad as you would think based on that. Warren's actually a beautiful city and so is Youngstown. And I know you know the history of the steel industry being from PA. Yeah. Um, we took a beating after the steel mills closed big time and uh, along with those in Pennsylvania. But uh, it's time to start rebuilding. And I, I want to drive that home and thus the name of Defend Warren. We have to defend our city from unemployment and, and all that comes from that and the negativity that comes from that. And Mr. Aaron has just given all of you tools to start building your business uh, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, whatever social media you use. So take advantage of that. Take advantage of what he offers and connect with him. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's time to uh, to bob and weave and it's it's time to pivot. You know, we can't wait for something to drop, drop into our lap. It's time for us to kind of move forward. So uh, the simple message that I want to leave people with is uh, doing nothing changes nothing. But if you change something, something will change. Scott, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to getting on these uh, other classes I've signed up for. So. Well, my pleasure. It, and yeah, and I'm just grateful for you and the opportunity to come on today. So, uh, you know, continued success. And I hope the listeners got, uh, got a lot of value from this. Thank you, sir. Defend Warren. 